This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, he did it again. Francis spoke to Eugenio Scalfari. And by now, some will say it's old news. Maybe. But I think we need to take a deeper look at what Francis said recently, because these comments are, quite frankly, kind of nuts. So let's look at the latest kerfuffle with Francis and his atheist buddy that he keeps telling all manner of strange things to. Quote, I am moved only by the desire to make our church survive by updating our collective spirit to be in tune with modern civil society, Francis insists, explaining that the church is obliged to become more modern, to be with the poor and the weak, not with the rich and the strong. All religions, not just Christianity, must know modern society very well in its cultural, spiritual, and living depth. This is a modernity that began four or five centuries ago. End quote. You know, no mention of conversion, no mention of the need for the world to change. A church that must change to fit the world. Welcome to what modernism looks like under the current pontificate. Though to be fair, maybe Eugenio Scalfari just chose to omit those parts of the comments in his interview, since, you know, he doesn't write anything down when he talks to the Francis. You know, I chose to do my video on the third secret of Fatima prior to this one for a reason. The warning that the church will be full of those who make compromises and that there is a suicide in altering the church's liturgy and theology is essential to understanding why all of this is so important. Our blessed Lord used the metaphor of a rock to describe what he is and what Peter is for the church, something steadfast that the faith can rest on. The faith is, by extension, unchanging, and yet the calls for change are always constant. And, you know, change is nothing new in this post-conciliar era. The liturgy changed. The relationship with <clears throat> our elder brothers changed. The idea of the church as the new Israel was seriously downplayed compared to pretty much the whole history of the church. The role of the church in secular politics, you know, all that changed. I could go on and on. But the difference is that the pace of change has been ramped up dramatically in the past few years. Under this pontificate, change has been the rule, not the method of instituting the desires of the revolutionaries at the council, but the rule itself. And as such, it's pretty much a constant thing now. In the past, we could get used to changes like the sudden appearance of girl altar boys when they had not only been banned in the past, but had been banned again, with that banning ignored by American bishops until Rome relented because they were just ignoring it anyway. But now we get change after change after change. A constant drip, 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 often not in the practice of the faith, but in statements made that undermine what we are supposed to believe. Honestly, the statements of Francis to Scalfari are a good example of this if you want to see it in action. My last video on Scalfari and Francis outlines the 17 or 18 different statements made to Scalfari since the start of the pontificate and they represent a body of heterodoxy, or worse, that many Catholics will take as the gospel truth, since many Catholics erroneously believe that a pope cannot err. That is itself a frankly erroneous idea that the pope can never err, and one that many observers at and after the First Vatican Council were worried about, given how the definition of papal infallibility turned out to not be the clearest thing in the world. 
not that those who made those comments rejected that dogma, but that they were worried about some of the technical aspects of the definition itself, perhaps in light of the burgeoning crisis of modernism that was just getting started at the time of that council. There is a definite sense among Catholics who absolutely cringe and die a little inside, though, every time Francis sits down with Scalfari for an interview, especially since the crazy things Scalfari claims that Francis says in those interviews are rarely, if ever, publicly denied. And even worse, Scalfari never writes down what is said and just base, writes based off of his memory of that interview. Or at least so he claims. Since there's nothing in writing, there's no real record to correct and no way, real way for Francis or his subordinates to demand to see his interview notes. They just have to go off what Scalfari says Francis said. And Francis's own ambiguous or totally silent responses to what Scalfari says he said. It's all really a slick display of Peronism at work. Numerous outlets broke the news of the latest Scalfari scandal. I'm going to use the, the piece from the Church Militant Report, which is, quite frankly, just a regurgitation of what every other article is saying. And no, that's not a dig at Church Militant either. They run plenty of original stories, so it's just this isn't one of them. The author of the piece notes that Scalfari has run a number of these interviews since 2013. The exact number is 18 or 19. I can't remember at this point. Back during the closing days of the Amazon schism, I did an in-depth report on that, and it was staggering how many of these things they've done. The exact number is, you know, like I said, 17 or 18, maybe even 19. I can't remember at this point. And it was staggering because, well, we all just fall, fall for it over and over again as a means of distraction. Each one of these interviews has been controversial by its very nature. In the past, Scalfari reported that Francis denied the Catholic teaching on hell, questioned or even denied the bodily resurrection of our blessed Lord, and made all sorts of crazy statements that couldn't be verified, which is the key to all of this. Though with the denial of the resurrection, the Vatican did issue a statement because, frankly, to not deny that one might have been going a tad too far. The international outcry was just too much to let it continue. But in this case, Scalfari brags about his relationship with Francis, of whom he says that Francis has a broad knowledge of the current global situation, not only in Italy and Europe, but in the whole world. Francis Scalfari proclaims, believes he has the task of bringing together everyone under God, not only Catholics and Protestants, but monotheists and polytheists. Scalfari allegedly quotes Francis here. Allegedly, I say. Buckle up. Quote, Authority is not command, but coherence. Jesus has authority because there was consistency between what he taught and what he said. The planet is under threat. The climate must be our first priority as an emergency. In some areas, the sea rises, in others, it drops. The climate is one of the most interesting issues that we must all take on. End quote. You know, whenever he starts talking like a UN sustainability officer, I'm always reminded of these words from our blessed Lord, quoting the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 28. Quote, and fear ye not them that kill the body, and are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and not one of them shall fall on the ground without your father? The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Better are you than many sparrows. Every one, therefore, that shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But he that shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to send peace upon earth. I came not to send peace with a sword. For I came to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. End quote. 
that comes from the Dewey Rames version, and I think it not only repudiates the materialistic fear being promoted these days, but even perfectly refutes what he's saying his mission is. The job of the church is to unite people in Jesus Christ, not as some worldly generic religious leader whom the world looks up to, but not enough to convert. Our Lord's authority came from the fact that he is God, not because he was coherent in his teaching. Francis has the responsibility to bring everyone under the banner of the church Christ established, for as our Lord himself said, no one gets to the Father save through Christ. Extra ecclesium nulla salus is real, and while the church says that God can work extraordinary graces in a non-Catholic's life, that might result in salvation without formal membership in the church, in the end all must be Catholic to be saved. So in a way he's right, but not how he means it. Religious indifferentism is one of the major cancers of our age, and it is slowly destroying the life of faith in the world today. But something most people seem to be missing in these interviews is this. For the most part, they seem to happen just after some big scandal. It's almost as if Scalfari is a person Francis uses to change the media narrative from some scandal that undermines his agenda to just foaming at the mouth rage like this. The last time we were all treated to the deep thoughts of Francis was right around the end of the Amazon Synod, when the demon idol worship at the Vatican was the only thing anyone in the Catholic media was talking about, unless they were also being distracted by the threat of deaconesses. Take note, Book Gate, as some are calling it, is still in the news. I did a video on it for Monday, and at that time Francis runs off to give an interview with his atheist friend Eugenio Scalfari. It's not like he's busy with better things to do, like running the church or even promoting the UN's anti-Catholic agenda or anything. Instead, he makes the time to give an interview to the very person who repeatedly quotes Francis as saying extremely scandalous things when they're rarely, if ever, being denied after the fact. This gives fuel to the Protestants who will take every opportunity to yell, like robots, Come out of her, my people. You see it for yourself. Or to the Eastern Orthodox, who seem to be ha happy to be ignoring their own schism within a schism, to point out to us that Francis is bad. <laughs> All these interviews cause people to leave the church, and he gives them anyway. I don't know what to tell you, tell you on that score, other than that leaving the church is literally not something you should ever consider, regardless of how bad its leadership is at the moment. We have a lot of options in life, but leaving the only faith that saves isn't one of them once you really understand the history of Christianity. I suppose those Scalfar interviews would be more interesting, but honestly, these days they are literally so contrived that it's an obvious distraction from whatever scandal is hitting too close to home for the Vatican these days. So don't lose sight of the fact that there is some internal dissension going on right now over the issue of clerical celibacy, and that it appears that the traditional teaching of the Church may be under attack, with the Germans eagerly waiting in the wings to promote further heresy based on whatever silly ruling comes out in the coming days. And as always, I'll be here bringing you the news on that mess in short, digestible clips. Until then, let me know your thoughts on this in the comments. Keep praying for the church. You get ready for Lent. And come on, let's actually make it count this year. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.